Welcome to the second NL full-time podcast of the National League season. And if you thought or you weren't sure it was going to be a roller coaster, you now know it is. Uh, all three of the regular members that were on last week were uh, grinning from ear to ear. Their team's having won and uh, it's a complete turnaround today. But it was a fantastic weekend for many of the clubs. Um, we've got Two regular guests, and we've got Luke Edwards uh, kindly listening in and producing in the background, so he may chip in, particularly when we get to the north. But uh, our most regular, uh, Joe Pope, you're with us uh, back, Joe. Not so happy as last week, but uh, pleased to be here again, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I was particularly thrilled last week, um, but uh, yeah, not uh, not happy uh, this weekend, but lots of praise to give out to uh, to one team in particular. That's right. And I stand corrected, of course. Talky only drew last week. They didn't win. But uh, another, he's becoming a bit of a semi-regular guest now. We're absolutely delighted to have him. It's always good to uh, to see that smile. Welcome back to the NL Full-Time Podcaster, Aaron McLean. Good morning, guys. How are you? Yeah, really, really good. It's a long trip for me yesterday late now. I've been struggling to get uh, clips of all the games so far. Of course, we've got the TNT highlights to come at one o'clock on Sunday. But uh, prior to that, we need to look at the uh, National League to start with. And of course, we'll start at the top, even though it's a fledgling league table. We've got three sides on maximum points after two games. And perhaps the most surprising of those three teams um, it was a big surprise last week, not so much of a surprise yesterday, but Southend and Kevin Maher, his men continue to defy all that's going on around them. Uh, six goals scored now for Southend, none conceded. They beat Dagenham 2-0 away from home. Uh, Cardwell and Coker both on the score sheet for a second week running. Um, and Aaron, I have to come to you for, for, for your thoughts on, on your thoughts on this, a question I'm sure you've been asked many times already. How? How are they doing it? Well, I think a, a huge amount of credit has to go to, to Kevin Mayer um, and his, his backroom staff. You know, what he's managed to do there is, is such such bad times at, at Southend off the field. You know, there's so much unrest with the fans, with what's going to happen with the ownership. Is the club still going to be up and running, you know, we wasn't even sure whether or not they were going to make it to the start of the season, let alone be in the position that they're in now. So to be able to to fill the team and go out and put in the performances that they have done in, in the first two games really, really is, you know, he's almost manager of the season after two games because they have absolutely no right to, to be doing what they're doing. And, they're not just winning games. They're winning games comfortably. You know, they're, they're looking really good. He's got, at the moment, he's only got a, a small pool of players, which that at some point will will play a huge part. That at some point... Has to. Yeah, it has to. He can't continue that throughout a season. So he's going to need help. He's going to need the off-the-field situation to be sorted as soon as possible, which everyone, you know not only South End fans, but I think everyone in the football community wants that to be sorted and, and South End's future to be to be safe. But the here and now is is all that they can control and he's doing an absolutely magnificent job. So 
full credit to, to Kevin Mayer, to Darren Curry, to, to all the backroom staff and to the, to the players and to the fans, you know, for, for standing by them. And, and, and for those fans who last week helped clear up the, the stadium to, to enable them to play the, the match and, and for the fans that travelled to, to go and support Southend in, in their second game, you know, full credit to everyone associated with the club because at the moment it's a it's it's a time of, of turmoil but because everyone's pulling together they're they're reaping the benefits from it. Yeah, it's amazing stuff at South End. It reminds me a little bit of that time when Gates had all the ownership issues and they were playing with about 13, 14 men and they were unbeaten in I don't know how many games and almost got themselves in the playoffs. It is incredible. It's it's the siege mentality and uh, six points, no goals conceded. Well done, South End. Um, only just behind them at the top, having scored plenty of goals and conceded plenty as well, are Chesterfield. Four different scorers for them at Fylde. They had uh, Will Grigg getting off the mark. Also Tyrone Williams, uh, Ryan Colclough on the score sheet as well. Fylde, to their credit, scored the last two goals of the game. It ended 2-4. But um, it could be a really exciting season, Joe, couldn't it, for, for Chesterfield? They've, they've got quality. I think they're rightfully favourites. And yes, they're conceding a few, but if you can score three or four every week, then uh, most weeks you're going to be all right. Yeah, um, you know, we, we said that they might be a little bit suspect defensively, but I mean, the quality that they've got in their side. I mean, you look at their bench yesterday, Jacobs, loads of EFL experience, Palmer the same. Old Acre, new signing Berry. I mean, when you can bring players like that off the bench, then you're always going to stand a chance. And yeah, you know, a couple of a couple of goals yesterday for um, for Mandeville again. He scored two on the opening day. Seems like he's going to have a really really good season again. Um, and Grig off the mark. That'll be really pleasing for Paul Cook to see him uh, off the mark. And um, yeah, it's going to be interesting because. I think there will be teams at the top who are more solid um, and will be harder to beat. It's whether Chesterfield can keep doing this in, you know, scoring four, but can... Yeah, and with Fylde, I guess we need a little bit more of a look at them to see what they've really got. We know they've got class in Nick Horton, but make no bones about it. Playing Chesterfield any week for any team this season is going to be, going to be tough. Rightful favourites for you, Aaron? Yeah, I think so. I think that they're they're the big fish, you know, in, in the division. And with the the quality that they've got, you know, the firepower with Cole Clough, with, you know, bringing Will Grigg in, I think that was a real sign of intent. Um, you know, a, a natural goal scorer, scored goals at, at many different divisions in, in the Football League. So, and Mandeville, again, showing that he's the main man. You know, he, he was brilliant last season, key to to them getting to the playoff final. Um, and he started the season really well again. You know, I think he's 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 keen to to make sure that he stays, you know, he keeps his title as as the main man at, at Chesterfield. And bearing in mind they've still got players like Amando Dobra, you know, who, who hasn't got on the score sheet yet, but he's is definitely one of the, the most exciting players in the division. So in an attacking sense, very, very much so. They're they're the favourites, but yeah, you're right. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see whether or not when they have their off days, 
which they do. You know, you look over the last seasons, last couple of seasons, they they do have little periods where they they dip in form, and when you play against more solid teams who who are happy to to nick a one nil win, you know, a Bourne Wood, you know, a Woke in those kinds of teams, have you have you still got you know is your firepower going to be enough? Because yes, they've scored eight, is it eight goals in the two games, but they are conceding. So mm. as much as you're winning games, yes, brilliant getting those three points on the board. But in the back of their minds, they will be thinking, you know what, we do need to, to tighten up a little bit at the back because don't get me wrong, I've been in promotion teams that are all out of attack. You know, my, when I played at Peterborough, we we played in a style that we're just going to outscore every team. Um, but at some point that does, you know, that does have a bearing on when you when your strikers aren't quite at it you know, you can find yourself on the, on the wrong end of a few results. Yeah, brilliant uh, point that, Aaron. Um, of course, if Mandeville's not doing it or Dover's not doing it, Ryan Colclough for sure will. I'm really excited to see a whole season of him at Chesterfield. Um, I've long since talked about what a player he is and um, I'm glad they're really believing in him now at Chesterfield. He had to be patient when he first got there. He had to come off the bench quite a lot, but He's proved his value to them time and time again. He scored in both games this season as well. Now, moving on to the other team that's on maximum points, and that was the game that you were at yesterday, Aaron. I haven't had a chance to catch up with it yet, but the one point I wanted to make coming in is firstly to plug your little two-way chat that you do with uh, Jeff Brazier now. I loved that last week. So basically, instead of phoning each other and having a private little wash-up on the games they were at, they're going to do it publicly and... uh, who knows, you might even invite one or two guests along at some point. But I thoroughly enjoyed that last week. And my only point from that is, I think Jeff said, nobody's predicted Nicky Kabamba. <laughs> I predicted him to be the top scorer in the division. He scored in both games. But tell us more about that. Uh, the Battle of the Bees, Bromley and Barnet, live on TNT Sports. How did it go for you, Aaron? Well, Bromley were slightly disappointing, but they've got a lot of injuries. They've got a lot of injuries and at the moment they're just trying to navigate their way through through this period. Unfortunately, they've not been able to pick up any points and Dean Brennan's side were were pretty comfortable yesterday. You know, once they got that, that first goal, they looked pretty comfortable. They looked solid at the back and like you say, in Nicky Kabamba, um, they've got a goal scorer. You know, he, he probably could have had a couple on the day. Took his, took his goal really well. Um, Zach Brunt looks a really, really good player. Every time I've seen him play in this division, I've been impressed with him. So for, for Dean Brennan to, to get him was was really good. Um, and Barnett just... I think Barnett are definitely going to be one of the teams that, that kick on again this season. You know, I feel like they've got a really good balance. They're still not in, in full flow yet, which is, is to be expected. But they're winning games comfortably. And they, and they look... They look like they're going to create chances. You know, Idris Khanu, um looked sharp in in moments, but I think he might have picked up an injury. He had to come off at halftime. Pritchard, we know exactly what he's all about. He scored 16 goals last season. He's already on the score sheet this season and got a, a, an assist or two as well. So, they've, like I say, I just feel like they're a really well-balanced team. They've made good signings and they've... You know, it seems like they've got a, a bit of backing now from 
from Tony Cleanthus. For you know, he's, he's they've squeezed torrid... a few pennies out of the coffers. Yeah, I think. and listen, they've had some torrid seasons. You know, make no mistake about it. Really, they shouldn't even have been in the division. You know, if through COVID, obviously they they just stayed in the division because the the season got curtailed. Um, I think they finished twenty first or something in in the division, and they've almost landed upon Dean Brennan by by chance. You know, with with a, a few managers coming in and trialing and failing, all of a sudden Dean Brennan took took over as caretaker manager to start with, and since then the the squad and the team has gone from strength to strength. He's now built a a team that is more than capable of challenging for, for promotion and just falling short last season. I think they just ran out of legs in the end. You know, like you say, Nicky Cabamba was was a standout player for them, but near the end of the season, because he played so many minutes, just really ran out of steam. But this season, I, I asked Dean after the game, I said, how are you going to manage Nicky Cabamba? 19 goals last season. He's got two and two this season and looks really sharp. But how are you going to manage his minutes so that he's able to sustain that throughout the season? And he said, well, we brought instead who we think will will also be a good player for us. We'll, we'll score goals and and we'll be, be a pest. So he's going to try and rotate it a little bit more. Um, but I think the biggest thing for them is just making sure that they're getting the points on the board and, and continuing to improve, which... At the moment, you know, I, I don't see that that letting up because Dean Brennan is a very, very demanding, demanding manager. He was a demanding player when I played with him, so <laughs> he hasn't changed. Yeah, he's a great character, full of nous, knows exactly what he's doing at this level. And of course, last year he was able to bring Smith in on loan from from uh, Orient, I think it was. And, and as you say, he's got Stead. He knows how to get the best out of uh, Nicky Kabamba. So, Barnet for me, an absolute shoe-in for the playoffs. Of course, there's still 44 games to go, so <laughs> there will be twists and turns. Let's turn our attentions now, not so much based on league positions, but on excitement of games, really. I think perhaps the best game of the day, swinging one way and the other, was, was Woken against Altrincham. Woken, of course, firm favourites to, to make the playoffs again and potentially go one better this season. Um, they fell behind to Regan Linney. Uh, Cuthbert and Grego Cox be really good to have him back in their side put them 2-1 up but uh, Alti weren't finished were they Matty Casillo uh, Cosilo sorry back in uh, back in uh, in the side this season after a lot of injury problems last year and then Regan Linney with uh, a second goal just two minutes into the second half I bet nobody at the ground thought that was the end of the scoring yesterday but it was um, Joe what did you make of that one from afar yeah, well, Woking uh, last season, they were very good on the road, but struggled at home. Um, and so they'll be disappointed to lose yesterday. Um, and it looks like they picked up one or two injuries as well. Rohan Ince went off in the first half. Uh, he'll be a big miss for them. Um, and yeah, uh, Woking, we, we've come to expect them to be really solid defensively. But yesterday we saw the complete opposite, um, albeit against a very good attacking side in Altrincham. Uh, Regan Linney obviously signed for them partway through last season, and he uh, he's a player that I think will will really do well this season for them. Um, so yeah, a good win for Altrincham. Um, disappointing home start for Woking. All right, a couple of other really exciting games that uh, 
caught the eye either through the amount of goals or um, you know the incidents. Hartlepool and and he Hartlepool and Heed I've written down here. <laughs> Gateshead, of course. Um, a humdinger, a big crowd, a great raucous atmosphere, all sorts of controversy. Uh, Manny Dizaruve on the end of a fine run by Charlie Seaman to put the pools ahead. Always going well till the 54th minute when Josh Umera, who according to the commentator on the game anyway, had been treading a fine line all game, uh, dived in with his feet to try and win the ball back. And he won the ball, it looked as well, but referee straight over waved the red. So controversy there. Uh, he got back into it with a very rare Robbie Tinkler goal. But right at the death, really, uh, 90 plus something. That's what we call it this season, 90 plus something. Um, Dizaruve broke forward, didn't feel he could beat two or three players, popped it out to the left, got himself in the box, got on the end of the cross and steered it home from a couple of yards. An absolutely delirious Pulis. Um, not just getting their first win of the season, but uh, but doing so so late against uh, a northeast rival. Don't know if you got to see any of it that yet yourself and talk about it, um, Aaron, but uh, what a cracker that was. Yeah, great game. Great game. And on the red card, I can see why the referee's given, given the red. Um, he does dive in. I personally didn't think on first viewing that, that it was a red card. I did think it was a bit reckless um, and probably unnecessary, but I didn't I didn't think on on you know I've only seen it once and I didn't think straight away that it was a it was a red card. But that's gonna be a big blow because it was a, a straight red. So, you know, they're gonna miss him for, for three games now. Um but on Disaruve, listen, we, we know what Disaruve is. You know, we know what he can bring. We saw it a couple of seasons ago. He's heroics for, for Grimsby in their promotion. Um, last season, I thought he was he was probably Halifax's standout player. You know, he managed to get himself 13 goals. And I think this season, if he has a, a full season, a, a Hartlepool team that are going to create chances for him, then there's no reason why he can't get, you know, 15 to 20 goals and, and help them to, to try and get near those, those playoff positions. Do they have enough within their squad? Uh, I'm not sure. I think there are better teams, if I'm honest. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule them out of of a playoff push this season because they do have they do have some some good players. And Amira, I think, will, will score goals as well when when he gets the opportunity. Yeah, I think I agree. I, I never I never thought for one minute that Macclesfield were the best team in the league when they won it under John Askey, and that's the reason why I think they'll make the playoffs because they may not be one of the best teams, but they definitely have one of the best managers in in, in Askey. Um, on to another exciting game. I've tried to leave it out as long as I could, but I've got to come back to it. What a topsy-turvy game football is. Opening day of the season, Oldham spanked 4-0 at Southend. Aldershot getting off to a rip-roaring start with a 5-1 win against Oxford City. Um, honestly, honestly, despite what people who weren't there would think, I don't think it played a huge part in the psychology yesterday. What happened was you had a ding-dong basketball game for 25 minutes. Either team could have scored. Oldham did score. Uh, and it was the ultimate predator, James Norwood, who he's going to give you that quality throughout the season. On the back of that, two worldies from Oldham. I don't know if you've seen them. Yeah. Uh, Brennan Dickinson strike. He's just running through the middle, 30 yards out, literally arrows it in the top corner. A fine finish from Ben Tollett, which we know he's all capable of. 
Um, shot steadied a bit into the second half, had a really good 15, 20 minutes, got themselves a goal back, a little bit fortuitous, but great work at the far post from Ollie Harfield. Um, and I think it was Liam Kitchen that, that headed into his own net. And then, unfortunately, for shots, Kwame Thomas on as a sub, probably too keen to make an impression, uh, given two yellows. Overall, perhaps a little bit harsh. I'll get your opinion in a moment, Aaron, having seen it. But uh, uh, certainly, I didn't have any qualms about the second one being a yellow, and he already he already was on one. Uh, after that, um, I think a tiring older shot and uh, a canny Oldham attack uh, put them to the sword. Four one five one, a tough. You know, learning curve for young Maxi Mullins, who's got a lot of plaudits, but uh, he's up against men. He's up against men full of nows in the National League, and it's going to be tough for him. So a lot of learning for him, for Aldershot. A magnificent day for Oldham. I want to take nothing away from that. Their fans would have been delighted. They were superb from the minute they took the lead. Um, really, really clinical. And the other point I wanted to make before I come to you, Aaron, on Oldham, I've had people in my ear saying that they're rubbish. They've got no pattern of play. Um, they signed Freeman in the week. That allowed Unsworth to go with a four at the back. He brought Brennan Dickinson in and everything clicked for them. And their bench yesterday, Mike Fondop, Alex Reed, Kurt Willoughby, Dan Gardner and Sean Hobson, who for me was one of the best two centre-backs. They will be out up there. Mark my words. Um, Aaron, you've seen the goals, you've seen the game. What did you think? Well, first of all, Brennan Dickinson and Brennan Dickinson's strike is a, a goal of the season contender. Absolutely magnificent strike. You know, like you say, arrows it into the far top corner. No goalkeeper in the world is saving it. Um and in James Norwood, they've got a they've got an out and out goal scorer. You know, he's he's done it all through the divisions. You know, I remember playing against him when he was at, at Tranmere. You know, him and Cook tore this league apart um, in their promotion. So they've they've made some really, really good signings. They've got a really strong squad, um, like you say, and and there's no doubt, there's no doubt that they're going to be they're going to be in in with a in with a chance. I think I, I do look at them and I feel like they've just got a a team of men. Yeah, and I think when it gets you know, it would have been easy for them to lose the first game and then struggle in the second game. But their reaction was absolutely magnificent. Toller is a is a talent, you know, no doubt. We, we saw it so many times last season. He's got real quality. Um and it just throughout throughout their throughout their team, they've got some some real quality players. And once that really clicks, they they've got the ability to be able to go on a six, seven, eight, nine, whatever they want game run, you know, of winning games because they've got players that have been there, done it, got league experience. And when you put it all together, I, th I think Unsworth has definitely got a, a team that rightly so feel that they can go and, and win this division, not just get promoted, you know, really go out and, and, and stamp their authority on, on teams and, and win it outright. That's a great point. Just quickly to finish off on that one, I spoke to a few people at Oldham yesterday. And I'm sorry, Oldham fans, I didn't get any audio. I was, I, was, I was busy chatting to so many people, I didn't really stick a phone in front of their uh, mouth yesterday. But um, I, I heard from two different sources yesterday, Oldham were really caught out 
by the South End game. All the noises had been to them that it might not go ahead, that um, that South End weren't ready. Um, and they went down, I think, with the wrong attitude and they got they got uh, properly caught out there. Not to take any credit away, of course, from, from South End, for whom that was brilliant. Uh, another game that had a little bit of controversy in it, um, Dennis Kutrib's Ebbsfleet had a cracking start, 1-0 win on the road at Rochdale. Um, but uh, they succumbed 2-1 to Solihull Moors. And I think I'm going to come to Joe on this one because, Joe, you and I both expressed concerns about Solihull Moors this year. But when you've got a player like Matt Warburton in your side, and he turned into a, a previous version of Matty Warburton yesterday, I think, uh, more the poaching version, um, but he was he was on hand at the double. Perhaps a little bit of controversy about his uh, second goal after maybe there was a foul on Greg Cundall in the build-up. But uh, what did you make of that result? One of the less predictable ones yesterday. Yeah, it was certainly one that took me a bit by surprise. Um, obviously, we've talked about Solihull and I think they will struggle. Um, but if they are to do OK, then it's going to rely on the strength of their experienced players uh, because they've got quite a young side. Um, and it was one of those that, that managed to get the, the the points for them yesterday. And that's now four points in two games uh, for them. So that would be a good start. Um, obviously, two goals for Matty Warburton and Greg Cundall uh, pulled a goal back and... Um, yeah, um, a good start for Solihull. Certainly Andy Wing will be pleased um, for them to uh, keep the, the unbeaten run going. And Aaron, just quickly on this one, um, obviously one of your old sides, um, Ebb's Fleet, um, disappointing result for them yesterday. They'll go again Tuesday night against Aldershot. I'm just wondering if you're booked for any game or you might be popping down there on Tuesday. I would have gone down, absolutely. But I am doing, I'm doing an EFL game. A quick little mini roundup in the middle of the pod here of a few games with not too many talking points. Uh, it's the second defeat for York and a really good 1-0 win on the road from Kidderminster. Um, they've not conceded yet this season. A lot of people wanted to write them off, but they've not conceded. They got four points out of six. Well done, Kidderminster. And Rochdale bounced back really well with a 1-0 win the second half goal at uh, Oxford City there. So Oxford City still without any points. One of four sides, by the way, without any points uh, in the National League. Um, and uh, the other side we haven't mentioned yet that still don't have any points are Dorking. Now, um, Dorking had a really difficult task on the opening day away at Chesterfield. They gave it a right good go and lost 4-3. But I think there was an expectation... Despite having a few injuries, they still put out a very strong eleven against uh, Maidenhead. But uh, Joe, you know where I'm going with this. They got devved. Yeah, they got devved. Um, you know, they won't be the uh, the last team to get devved this season. Um, you know, he's. You know what to expect from Maidenhead. They're going to go away from home. They're going to make it difficult. You know, when they get a chance, they're going to score. Um, and they're going to grind out a result. And even though that they they had a man sent off. Uh, in Zico is there, they still managed to uh, perhaps against on on the counter as Dawkins were pushing for an equaliser, managed to get a second goal through Nathaniel George to to kill it off, and you know that's the reason why Maidenhead keep you know keeping safe in the in the National League because they they go away to these games where you perhaps expect them to lose, and they just find a way to grind out three points. Yeah. A couple of other points to add on that. Kev Locko doing a bit of a bit of a Tyler Cordner, threading one ball straight through to Sean Mikulski. 
Great to see Kev Locko back in the National League. Unfortunately, he had a wretched season at Aldershot where he's injured for most of it, but played every game for Farnborough last year. Got himself a move uh, back to uh, Maidenhead. So um, a decent win for Maidenhead. As for Dorkin, well, interesting. One of the, will we get a roller coaster come Tuesday night? You've now got South End, who've got the six points out of six, not conceded yet. Going to Meadowbank and Dorking, no points yet. So will we see a little bit of a response in the turnaround from Dorking? We'll have to wait and see. Slightly underwhelming performance from Eastleigh. Nil-nil against Wheelstone. And that's not to take anything away from Wheelstone. One of only two fully part-time sides in the National League now. But Eastleigh, with, with the big guns up top, with the signings they've made, Aaron, um, they would, they'll, they'll be gutted at being goalless um, at the Silver Lake. Yeah, well, you know, it's two draws now out of their two games. Um, and really, listen, it's difficult to, to judge teams at, at this stage of the season. You know, it's so early. You're still waiting for for new signings to, to gel with the with the squad for, you know, for teams to, to get to full speed. Everyone's at different levels of fitness. So I, th- I think easily will no doubt be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. I think they're a really well, well-oiled machine and they're a team that, that seem to threaten and just, you know, just miss out. I do think this season, once they really get going and, and they, they get their new signings firing on all cylinders, then they'll be, they'll be in with a chance. But they just easily always look at me as, look to me as, as one of those teams that, are very well organised, all know exactly what they're doing, play a really not not an expansive way of playing, not not anything that's exciting, but they're just really efficient in what they do. And and they will always always pick up results. You know, the fact that they've started the first two two games and not got a win, but they've not lost, you know, I think that they'll be they'll be happy with that. And they'll know that just those slight improvements will turn those draws into wins as, as the season progresses. Yeah, well-organised side, as you say. They don't concede too many and they can do it whichever way they want if they need to go along with the likes of uh, McCallum and Quigley up top. One game left to cover. No um, deliberate reason for that, but uh, Boreham Wood get back to doing what they do well against Halifax FC Halifax Town. I don't think there's any love lost between those <laughs> Two sides have had playoff battles in uh, recent years and a few little public spats. Quezia Pyre, though, a bit like Norwood coming in at Oldham. Quezia Pyre for Luke Garrard. It's, uh, uh, it's fantastic. And he scored in, in, in both games. He was the difference yesterday. Two set-piece goals. Um, uh, Jamal Fifield also on the uh, score sheet. And Tom Whelan, what a lovely little signing that is for Luke Garrard. Um, with both of the set pieces, two assists for him. And yeah, Quezia Pia on his 33rd birthday. Um, you know, quite a poetic uh, one for him there. Um, I think that's where we're going to have to leave it for the National League. We've spent plenty of time waxing lyrical about it. Uh, we're going to cover now the National League South. Brilliant. I've finally quit. I can keep up with my kids now. I feel like I've got my life back. It's an amazing feeling when you stop smoking and you can experience it for yourself. Our range of free support can help you quit for good. From our app to emails, face-to-face support and online communities. Search Smoke Free. Better health. Let's do this. So, in the National League South, we're not 
going to start right at the top. We're just going to really light the blue touch paper and let Joe go. Um, Joe, it was a wretched day for Torquay yesterday and uh, the Gulls fans certainly made that known, didn't they? Just just talk us through it with a little bit of having slept on it perspective. Yeah, I mean, you know, I could explain uh, and say how disappointed we were, I was um, and how poor we were. Um, a lot of frustration yesterday uh, aimed at the manager. Um, I would say probably about a quarter of the stadium all stayed behind chanting that they want him gone. Um, however, that doesn't take anything away from what I think are probably the best and well-drilled team I've ever seen at Torquay in 13 years in Worthing. Um, absolutely incredible. Uh, tactically, I've never seen a manager come to Torquay and get it as tactically right as Adam Hinshelwood. Um, you know, some of the decisions that he made at the start, the crowd were a little bit confused. You know, why are they playing in their box? Why are all the camps in their half? Um, you know, why a couple of former Torquay players, Joe Felix, um, who Torquay fans would have seen in central midfield. He started on the wing for Worthing. But tactically, he got it so spot on. And each individual player was put in positions perfect to exploit everything that was bad about Torquay. Um, we had no mobility, no speed in the middle. Um, at left-back, we had Dean Moxie, who came on in the second half. And they pushed Joe Felix with his pace to exploit that. Uh, in behind and the passing I mean I, I going into the game I expected Worthing to be a good team um, I'd heard and seen a lot about them uh, expecting a really good side but what I saw was a, a team that so well coached is so good at pass so good at passing well probably the best team I've seen at, at passing at Torquay um, and there was a couple of players in their team who I thought were outstanding uh, funny enough the two players that really stood out were Joe Felix and Ricky Aguilar, both of whom were at Torquay that Gary Johnson said were no good. One of which scored for us last season uh, in Ricky Aguilar. He scored the first goal for Worthing. And then um, Joe Felix put in a really, really good performance. Um, and yeah, it was a really, really disappointing afternoon. But you can't take anything away from Worthing, who I thought were, were absolutely excellent throughout the afternoon. And if any team finishes higher than them this season, then they'll win the league, because I thought they were magnificent. The question been asked on Twitter, does he still have the hunger, Gary Johnson? Does he still care? And I think I know the answer to that, because his missus don't want him around at home and he's got a vested interest. He's got shares, hasn't he, in Torquay? Yeah. Um, it's a funny one you asked that, because uh, actually this morning I got a, a text from a a former Torquay manager that I speak to quite well. And he just said, I can't watch any more of his interviews. He said, I'm so bored. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, I, th I think yesterday was probably the turning point. I think many fans coming into the season were happy to give him time. But just the way that he acted yesterday after the game came over to the, uh, didn't come over to the fans really poor performance and he goes and laments the referee after the game and turns his back on the fans and doesn't even give them a clap. Um, you know, it's just a pure arrogance um, from the man. So, yeah, I think um, his hunger may still be there, but uh, I don't think his love for uh, for Torquay is there anymore. So inadvertently, of course, not brilliantly, but luckily, of course, we were talking about the top because that's where Worthing sit. 
uh, with a plus four goal difference and their six points. But then the three teams that come next, I don't think we're in too many people's predictions to sit comfortably inside the top seven. Um, Joe, just pick the highlights, if you can, out of those three teams who have won both games, Chippenham, Hemel Hempstead and Western Superman. Yeah, well, I think you were right in saying that no one would have expected that. Um, I certainly didn't. I had uh, all three teams down the bottom in, in my predictions. Um, Chippenham, a really good performance for them um, on the road, uh, 4-2 win. Um, they did have 10 men in that one. Both teams had 10 men by the half um, or by the half time. Um, but yeah, really good performance. Evans with a double for them um, and a name that's been around the blocks in the National League South and Craig Fazen made. He got on the score sheet uh, for them. Difficult start for having at more Louisville. Um, I wasn't sure what to make of them this season under Jamie Collins, um, fledging, fledgling manager, taking over from Paul Doswell. Um, tricky start for them. Um, as for Western Supermare, um, really good performance from them, um, albeit just the 1-0. Jordan Bastin, formerly of Exeter City, he scored the goal for them um, against the Tombridge side, who I think most of their fans coming into the season would have expected them to be challenging for the playoffs. But the one reason where they perhaps may have thought they'd have fallen short was their goals and their lack of goals. Uh, and that proved to be the case yesterday. As for Hemel, um, you know, another 1-0 win on the road against a Welling side uh, managed by Danny Bleur, obviously someone that we, we all know in the National League South from his time at Eastbourne. He's got a massive job there, massive job, um, a team full of kids, basically. Um, you know, I don't I think they're perhaps scaled back on the investment this season after he investing so heavily and getting little reward last year. Um, the goal coming from the spot, 10 minutes from time from George Williams, player that we've seen in the National League before with Boreham Wood and we've seen in the, the Football League as well. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't have expected all the three of those teams to, to get a win. Um, but, yeah, a really, really good start uh, for all of those sides. Now, there are four teams with uh, that are still unbeaten as well as those uh, maximum point teams. Uh, Chelmsford. They got themselves a draw one all with Hampton and Richmond. Eastbourne, a creditable draw one all at Farnborough. And two other teams, and I'm going to come to you now, um, Aaron. Uh, Bath 3, Maidstone nil. So George Ellicobi continues to get um, a tough um, baptism in management. And Dover Athletic, 2-1 um, winners at Slough Town. Sorry, Slough Town fans. Joe's put the kibosh on you again by tipping you to do well, particularly after the signing of George Alexander on loan from Bromley in the week. But, yeah, coming to you, Aaron, a um, little bit on those two subjects. Uh, George Ellicobi, tough uh, beginning in management at Maidstone and Dover that are literally confounding everybody um, at the start of this season. Well, for George, listen, it's it's difficult. You know, he's taken over a team that, that finished bottom of the National League, you know, low in confidence. And he's gone into a, a, a very difficult league. You know, it's even though that they're the team that's come down, the National League South is a very, very competitive and difficult league. And it, it really doesn't matter who you play against. You're going to be up against it. Um, and he's finding that. You know, it's going to be key that he finds his feet. You know, him and him and Craig Fagan need to turn things around there and they need to start picking up some 
some results and, and some performances. But I think it's going to be a difficult season. I, I don't expect them to, to be one of the teams that bounces straight back into the National League. I think it's going to be a, a building process for, for Maidstone to, to try and get back to, to being competitive. I think that there's teams in that division that are already well well established, kind of know their know what they're about, know, have their own identity, and and will be looking to to push on. You know, the likes of Dartford, who haven't necessarily started great, but I think that they're a team that are they've been together for a few years and are, are well placed to be able to to go on and, and have a, a good promotion push. Maidstone, I, I don't see that with Dover. Um, it's good to see Dover picking up picking up results. You know, I think that they're a club that they've been they've been through the mill over the last few years. You know, they've they've had a torrid time. So a bit again, another big club that I think everyone would like to see some good times return to Dover. You know, I think the fans deserve it. I think that it's it's listen, it's gonna be a long season and it's only it's only the start, but it's been a good start. And you know, I for one am, am definitely happy to see to see the sm- smiles on faces of of the people of Dover because they've they've had they've had to go through it for for a few years. They certainly have a little bit of a middle of the league roundup from me here. You mentioned Dartford; they lost one nil away to Weymouth, an eleventh minute goal from Joel Rollinson there, um, and uh, perhaps one of the games of the day. Uh, Braintree against Truro. Braintree sailed into a, a two-goal lead up towards half-time, but Harvey Greenslade and Andrew Neal in 90-plus-6 got Truro level to get themselves a point. Oh, no, they didn't. 90-plus-7, Kyron Clements got the winner uh, there for uh, Braintree Town. Uh, must have been great excitement there. And then I want to come on to a special moment for a team that are cutting their teeth at this level, Joe. A magnificent day. The first home match at National League South level for Avely, beating Taunton Town 4-1. Your thoughts on that one? Yeah, it was certainly a a good first home game. Um, Really good win for them. And, you know, it's going to be difficult for them probably coming up. And they may have to have that really strong home form to see them stay up. Um, And that would certainly have been a game which they would have looked at and thought that they could have got something from. So to win is really pleasing. Bit out of character, really, for Taunton. You know, Taunton last year were a side who really strong defensively but didn't score a great deal. Um, But to be cut open four times yesterday um, will be disappointing for them. Uh, Malachi Linton, uh, a consolation goal for him on loan from Yeovil. but uh, the player of the day in the league pretty much just got to go to uh, CJ Odalusi, scored a, a hat-trick for Avely, uh, his first on the spot and then his final goal right in uh, in injury time to uh, seal it. A really, really good afternoon for them and Danny Scopes will be hoping that uh, that's a sign of things to come. All right, one game left to cover and it's from your hometown, Joe, of Yeovil. Um, they got the job done, didn't they, against um, a strong St Albans side that are always going to contend at the right end of the division. Just tell us briefly the story of that one. Yeah, um, not the best performance. Uh, spoken to a couple of people that went and they said it perhaps wasn't their, their finest hour, but they got the result and that's all that, that they will care about. Uh, first home game of the season, uh, got off to a really good start. Uh, Jake Hyde 
uh, opening the scoring after three minutes. And then um, another error from the goalkeeper. Um, obviously, last week, he sliced a clearance, which hit Joe Akiafano and went back into the back of the net. And yesterday, Bowler Cancy ran out of his area and missed a shot. And uh, the Mitch Weiss ran through and scored. Um, but yeah, overall, they managed to uh, to dig in, got themselves back in front of Reese Murphy. Um, I think Mark Cooper will be pleased the fact he's got Jake Hyde and Reese Murphy on a score sheet, let alone on a pitch, given their injury record. So, um, yeah, really good win for them. And they dug it out in the final, in, in the second half to uh, to get the win. And given that it's their first home game, massive crowd there yesterday, I think three and a half thousand. And uh, yeah, really good win for them. Well, that wraps up the National League South. We're going to turn our attentions a little bit further north now. So we have to start in the Nas- National League North with Blythe Spartans. Thank you very much, Luke, for these stats. The first time they've won their opening two games in a row since 2006. And it's also 15 years since they sat proudly um, at the top of the National League North table, or the top of a table, rather. Um, and a great start it has been for them. Um, obviously, winners on the opening day, and then they got the job done again. 2 0 winners at Warrington, despite having a man sent off. I know Warrington had one sent off even later, but uh, it's a theme this year. Team gets a man sent off and then seems to score the next goal. It seems to happen over and over again. Uh, so well done to Blythe Spartans. Top of the league, six points, the only maximum points. And uh, the goals coming from two JJs, uh, uh, JJ O'Donnell and JJ Hooper. And to our friends on Twitter at Blythe Spirit, who are always tagging us in their stats. Thank you very much for that. And uh, who knows, if you sustain this little run at the top, maybe we'll invite you on the podcast in the next few weeks. Behind Blythe Spartans sits a whole plethora of teams, unbeaten still on four points. I think there might even be eight of them. Um I want to start with two of them, two teams that played each other yesterday and ended up with a 1-1 draw. And uh, incredibly, uh, probably wouldn't have, you'd have got very good odds on that because it was massive favourites for the league, Scunthorpe United, um, uh, home to Peterborough Sports, who uh, you know have been predicted by many to have that difficult second season. Um, just for a bit of detail on this one, Joe, let me come to you. Um, what was the story of the game and just how shocking was that result? Yeah, um, well, Scunthorpe uh, went the into Jimmy the Jimmy Dean derby, wasn't it? Yeah, Jimmy Dean, um, obviously the man responsible for that big rise up the leagues from uh, from Peterborough Sports. Um, obviously moving to Scunthorpe at the back end of last season. Um, and uh, he would have got a, probably a rather warm reception Um maybe uh, as they made the trip to Scunthorpe. Um, and it looked like he was going to get the last laugh uh, on 50 minutes. Uh, Jacob Butterfield, um, vastly experienced midfielder, got the goal. But um, it wasn't to be. And Peterborough Sports actually managed to come away with uh, a point. Ben Folks, uh, nine minutes on the clock, left to play. And he got the equaliser. And, um, yeah, a really good win for Peterborough Sports. They're going to have it tough this year. Haven't got the biggest of budgets uh, in this division, but um, for for joint managers Michael Gash and Luke Steele, uh, a really really good point on the road for them, and you know one that they probably wouldn't have expected going into yesterday. 
top of the teams on four points in the National League North and sat in second place at the moment are Boston United, which I'm always pleased to see. Regular listeners will know I don't watch na- much National League North football, but I do always predict Boston to do well. Unfortunately, Christian wasn't available to join us to wax lyrical about this one, but a couple of goals from Jimmy Knowles and one from Keaton Ward. Uh, and a late consolation for Aaron Martin, who scored his second goal in two games for South Shields after leaving Gateshead just a few days um, before Adam Campbell went. I wonder if that move would have happened, um, but uh, we'll have to wonder with that one, won't we? Other teams that are on four points in the National League, Joe, perhaps you can pick out uh, the best of the uh, of the games involving those sides. Maybe... Maybe starting with Bishop Storford, who I'll probably stop saying this after a month or so, but they didn't want to be in this division, but they sat in the top seven. What's the problem? Yeah, um, you know, obviously with their geographical reasons, they wouldn't have wanted to be uh, in this league, lots of travelling to do, but they'd have been really pleased yesterday. Uh, another another point on the board. Um, they had to come from behind in that one. Smalley gave uh, Gloucester the lead after 20 minutes, but Bishop kept going and, uh, yeah, they got uh, an equaliser with six minutes to play from the penalty spot. Olafemi, uh, the scorer for them. And, you know, given that people expected them to struggle, it was all about making a fast start. And for them to come away from two games, you know, especially an away day against Gloucester, who I expect will be sort of there or thereabouts for the top seven, they'll be pleased with, uh, with four points. I think it was last week that nobody in the National League South away from home won. And uh, it was pretty much a home day in the North yesterday. Just the two winners on their travels. One was uh, Blythe Spartans that we've already mentioned. And uh, another perhaps surprising result, Tamworth. 4-1 winners away at Spennymore Town. Uh, What a cracking day on the road for Tamworth, Joe. Yeah, um, and I think of all the teams that came up, they were the one that I was more confident of that they could be okay. I put the mid-table in my uh, predictions. Um, Really good side, um, strengthened uh, recently with the signing of Ben Aqua, formerly of Banbury United. Um, And he got on the score sheet yesterday for them, uh, 48 minutes, uh, the second goal for them um, after Shakuna had given them the uh, lead in the first half. Uh, Kyle Finn, Really, really good player. 20 minutes to go. He got their third. Um, and then they sort of round it up with, uh, I think, Ben Milnes uh, with a quarter of an hour to play. Um, and then Spennymore managed to get a, a constellation, another ex-Gateshead forward in Will Harris um, there. Um, but yeah, a difficult day for Spennymore and um, really, really good day for Tamworth, who I would imagine will be uh, comfortably safe in mid-table this season after their promotion. Well, we take the league tables, of course, with a pinch of salt at the moment. But having lost on the opening day and won 4-1 yesterday, Tamworth are banged mid-table with three points. Coming back to some of those teams with four points, sides predicted uh, uh, certainly by most uh, in terms of Brackley to be in the playoff places again, uh, as they always seem to be. They got the job done 2-1 at home to Buxton, Ricardo Calder and Danny Newton. On the score sheet there, that was a, a 90th minute winner for Brackley. Um, and uh, a side that not too many people predicted to do well, but you did, Joe. Hereford, they got the job done very, very late on against uh, Darlington. Connor Stanley scoring that goal in the 90th minute. Curzon and Ashton are in the top three as well with their four points. Just tell us how they got on on Saturday, Joe. Yeah, um, they took the lead. 
Uh, Will Hayhurst, another ex-EFL player, now playing their trade in the, the National League North. He got the goal for them. Uh, but Russian Olympic managed to uh, pull back in the second half. One of their new signings, Danny Waldron, who I believe scored twice for Avel Church when they knocked out Cheltenham in the FA Cup last season. Uh, he got a goal for them on the hour mark. And um, yeah, a really good point on the road for for Russia. Um, another team that many expected would probably struggle. Um, so to come away with a point is pretty good. Yeah, their first point at this level. Well done, Russia Olympic. Uh, Farsley Celtic were predicted to struggle this season. They picked up four points out of six as well. They held Chorley uh, one all yesterday. Both the goals coming in the opening 10 minutes. Uh, and you could have gone home then in terms of the goals, but you might have missed a red card in the 85th minute. Tom Allen getting sent off for the home side didn't affect the scoreline. Um, and normal service has been resumed, Joe, at Chester, beating Kings Lynn, a side that were right up there last season, 3 0. Yeah, I mean, it was a disappointing opening day for Chester, um, but they'd have been really, really happy yesterday, a side that I. I put them to come second in the division. Uh, real big fan of what they're doing under Callum McIntyre. Uh, really good young team. And it was three of his young talents that scored yesterday. Uh, Zach Goodson, formerly of Altrincham, uh, that scored a, a goal or two at the back end of last season. He got them up and running. And then Cobe Hall, um, he got their second. And then Ewan Murray uh, got the third with seven minutes left on the clock. And uh, really, really good day for them that will... Uh, perhaps put the uh, the smiles back on Chester's faces that they're going to be OK this season. As for Kings Lynn, it perhaps provides uh, an insight into where they may be uh, battling this season. Uh, a more difficult season for them after a couple of departures. Uh, noticeably in the defence, Aaron Jones going obviously to Aldershot, losing Oxlade-Chamberlain as well and a couple others. Um, so to lose 3-0 will be a, a point of concern for, for Mark Hughes. Two games left to cover and they include two of the three sides that are currently on zero points. It's been a difficult start to the season for Banbury and Southport who joined Darlington uh, pointless after the opening two games. Uh, Scarborough beat Banbury 3-0. All the goals coming in the first 40 minutes there. Uh, a good win for Scarborough that puts them back on track and the final game was another relatively heavy defeat for, for Southport. But uh, um, Oldfritton, we, we know all about their strengths, Joe, don't we? Uh, goals, uh, a couple of goals in early on from Lewis Salmon, Salmon before Jordan Thulis wrapped things up after Keenan Kwansar had uh, pulled one back for Southport. Any final thoughts on the National League North, Joe? Um, no, I just other than that, you know, Scunthorpe think it's going to be all there all their luck this season, uh, going to have it easy, but just goes to show how competitive it is yesterday with uh, only a, a point against a, a, a relegation candidate. Yeah, that's pretty much it for this week, listeners. So many teams would have maybe got very high on the first day or very low and then things swung around yesterday. I think it was, uh, I don't know who coined this phrase initially, Aaron, but the words that kept going through my head yesterday for sure might have been that wise old man, Gary Waddock, I don't know. But to never get too high after victory, never get too low after defeat. And uh, for the supporters listening in, the mixed fortunes of their clubs over the opening uh, couple of weekends, it's one they're definitely going to have to keep in mind, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think that, listen, I think the National League especially, 
has shown us that over the last few years, you know, there's there's very few teams that are able to to put in the, the level of consistency that we saw from from Wrexham and from Notts County. You know, barring that, it's it's so open. You know, on on any given day, anyone has the the ability to go and and put in a really good performance or put in an absolutely dismal performance. So, I expect this year to be a lot more a lot more even. I think there's a lot of teams that are very very even in in terms of consistency, totally different in styles. But I think that this is this is the most open season that we've had in in a long long time. Brilliant stuff. Quick look ahead at the midweek fixtures, a full set across all three divisions. One or two standout games. Well, Dorking Wanderers against Southend, North Points against Six. Can the Wanderers uh, become the gunslingers once again? Um, Oxford City, very big game for them on Tuesday night at home to uh, Chesterfield. Of course, that's another zero points at home to six points. Um, York against Alty and Oldham against Halifax. There's a couple of battles of the roses there. Um, Joe, I'll come to you in just a moment on the National League North. Perhaps you can pick a couple of games out. But uh, in the National League South, um, well, that Worthing side that did so well at Torquay uh, yesterday, they go to Scott Davis Slough midweek. So big test again for Scotty Davis's team. And uh, a couple of, of those Southwest derbies going on Tuesday night, Weymouth against Taunton and Yeovil against Truro. Will you be popping in at one of those, Joe? Um, I'd have liked to. Uh, I was going to go to the Yeovil-Truro game, but I'm now uh, bowling uh, on Tuesday, so can't get to that one, unfortunately. But I'm going to get to about 40 games this season uh, across the the National League South and, and various other leagues. So there'll be uh, no end of uh, content, I'm sure, from, from then. There absolutely will. So you'll get to about 40 games this season. Depending on cups, I'll probably get to about 50. Aaron, I know you don't always get the bookings too far in advance, but I guess you're going to be uh, probably triple figures, aren't you? I think I'm going to be very close to it. Yeah, I think I've got probably about 60 already booked. Um and yeah, they they come in they're coming in thick and fast. So next it's Portsmouth versus Exeter on Tuesday night, and then back to the National League for for a big game of the weekend. I've got to say that uh, with the likes of yourself and Becky Ives and Matt Smith and everything, despite all the bigger get gigs that you all get, I love the way you keep it grounded and you keep across the National League. And I don't think there's any coincidence, are there? It's just such a contrasting uh, league or three divisions, isn't it? And and it's something you always want to keep your hand in, don't you? Absolutely. You know, listen, I've I've, I've had the, the pleasure of playing in in the National League on you know the beginning of my career and at the end of my career. Um, so for me, it's it's always been a league that I I, I, I owe a lot to because. You know, my first real taste of men's football was was in the National League and it definitely gave me the springboard to to go on and have the career that I've, I've had. And in media, you know, again, it's given me a huge opportunity to really, really sharpen my my, my teeth and and really get an understanding of of this industry. You know, it's 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 all new to me. Yes, this is my now my my third full season in in punditry, but 
I, I love it. I love covering the National League. It always throws something different up. You know, no two weeks are ever the same. Um, and the biggest thing for me is I, I get to meet the fans and see the fans, a lot of whom know me from, from playing in my career. So there's, you know, I actually get to interact, which is which is nice. I think that's a part of football that's been lost over the years is the interaction between players and fans or, you know, ex-players and, and, and the fan base. So to be able to have that week in, week out is amazing for me. And, you know, regardless of, of what gigs I get, you know, I, I always, always try and give my very best, you know, in the National League and, and so do all the guys. And I think that's also what, what makes, you know, our production special. It means a lot to, to everyone. And it doesn't matter whether you're doing a European game or a Premier League game one week, you know, you give exactly the same um, when you do the National League game. So long may that continue. Yeah, exactly the words that were forming in my uh, brain and coming down to my lips. Long may that continue. We thank you for your input as well. You know, on this podcast, which, of course, we don't have any big bucks here, so Aaron's doing this for free. We much appreciate that. Um, Joe, just before we wrap up, the National League North, then what fixtures take their eye? Where have league leaders Blythe got to go to defend that league? Uh, Blythe uh, going to Scarborough on Tuesday night. Um, tough game for them after Scarborough won 3-0, obviously. Uh, on the weekend. Um, the game that really catches my eye is um, is Boston against Tamworth. Um, both teams won on Saturday. Uh, two teams I expect to be uh, up in the, the top half. And yeah, that's uh, one that certainly catches the eye. Um, Scunthorpe Darlington, another one that also uh, will be given big billing. Good stuff. Thank you, Joe, as always, for your insight and managing a half smile at least this morning. And Aaron, thank you very much to you. Just a final before we say goodbye. Where can the uh, listeners hear these uh, these these Twitter spats between you and, uh, and Mr. Jeff Fraser? It's on Jeff's Twitter, isn't it? <laughs> yes. So Monday it will be myself and Jeff Fraser again. Um, Six p.m. is is when it's scheduled. We're going to try and aim for for every Monday at six p.m. Um, dependent on you know games and what have you. I know we've got a few games on, on Mondays coming up, but ideally every week it will be on a Monday at six o'clock. It will be on Jeff Brazier's Twitter, but I will post it out as well. And yeah, have a listen, see what see what you think and feel free to to interact while we're while we're on. And you know, as like I say, it's we've only done one so far, but hopefully as the as the weeks and months go on we'll we'll be able to to bring more people in and and get more of a rounded view from from different sets of fans and and see how it goes. Great stuff. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Aaron. Listeners, thanks for joining us. Um, whatever platform you're listening on, if you hit the subscribe button, this podcast will be brought straight to your device for you every week. That's it for another week. Have a good one, guys. Play the theme tune, Luke. <laughs> <laughs>